Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With HSC Midwest. For updated factual information, see hse.ie. By staying apart, we can save lives. Now, Independent uh, Councillor on Limerick City and County Council, Emmett O'Brien, is on the line. Good morning to you, Emmett. Good morning, and good morning to your listeners. Now, uh, you were talking to the Limerick leader, and uh, you said that uh, the people of Limerick have done their patriotic duty and adhered to the lockdown. But now it seems yep. clear the Fine Gael caretaker government wants to continue on a lockdown with a phased reopening with so many riddles and caveats, you wouldn't see it as a papal curia. In plain speak, people want small business open and to get back to work. Ireland is incredibly slower in reopening than other European countries but people will be ahead of the curve and start opening up their businesses regardless. Mm, well, I find that in the manner in which the government has dealt with this crisis, which is pretty much an unprecedented crisis, um, a once-in-a-century crisis, we hope, they have been kind of behind the curve and behind the populace in terms of, A, implementing the lockdown. A lot of restaurants, pubs actually closed voluntarily before mandatory orders were uh, imposed, but I have noticed over the last number of weeks there there is a growing fatigue, primarily due to lack of communication and some mixed messages coming from the HSD and the the health uh, department and also from the government as to what exactly the parameters of the lockdown are. Now, having wrote that, primarily there's obviously the phase basis has been has is starting as of Monday, um, and we've developed on considerably in the last 10 days, and there seems to be more concrete evidence as to what, how exactly the economy is going to open. But there's no question that we have to start returning to an element of normality insofar as we can, provided it is safe to do so at, at as speedy a pace as possible. For the simple reason that there are so many knock-on effects of being locked down in terms of misdiagnoses and non-diagnoses of cancers, the effect on mental health, <clears throat> and the effect on our economy as a whole in terms of or just our basic ability to, prov- to provide for uh, those ongoing frontline services over the coming months. Now, if you're, if you're to boil down the statistics into, their, into plain and simple English, as I like to describe it, there are, as of Tuesday, there are 548 recognised cases of COVID in Limerick in a population of 185,000. Now, that's a success. For the government, to be fair to the to the Fine Gael caretaker government, it has been a success in terms of a Limerick perspective that we have such a low diagnosis rate. But there are unfortunately people who are ill and who will pass away between now and October and December, when there may very well be a winter spike again. Now, can I say, and I, I've said this repeatedly to anybody I spoke to, I'm not an immunologist, I'm not a medical practitioner, and I'm saying this solely as a civilian and a and a public representative. But the, the level of infection, Limerick, and in Clare, where it's 236 and Kerry 293, it is extraordinarily low, less than 0.003%. Yeah, that's the registered level of infection. Accepted. Accepted. That is the registered. And I think the difficulty, the difficulty you have, Emmett, is, and everyone has, we all have, is that, you know, and neither of us, as you say, is an immunologist, but from everything we've been told, this disease travels through human beings and through human contact. So as you open up, you are very likely to get a disease that has not gone away, you know, spreading again. That's why, surely, the government has to be extraordinarily careful. 
it does have to be, there's no question that it has to be done in a measured and careful manner. But inevitably, there is a reality that the country will have to open up sooner rather than later in any event. And because the infection levels are low and because the curve, as has been described, has been suppressed, we have to get to a stage where we now have to have an economic recovery to be able to pay for the long-term um, pain that we're going to be inflicted in terms of our mental health services, our cancer services, our dementia services, and everything else. Now, going back to the figures, and we can we can you know quotwine about statistics to, 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 to for all the tea in China, but eighty percent of those figures account for healthcare workers are people unfortunately nursing homes, which and I don't think it's fair for me to point fingers in the course of the pandemic, but there was certainly an oversight there in terms of the provision of PPE for the nursing home sector. Um, and that's something that will be looked at by, obviously, the Oireachta subcommittee chaired by our local independent in County Clare, Michael McNamara. So we can't indefinitely stay in, in a kind of either a lockdown or a semi-lockdown because we just can't afford it and because there's an element of having to get get back to work. Okay. And are you uh, saying, in essence, then, uh, Councillor Emmett O'Brien, that you want to see the phases speeded up? Um, you see, there, there's a, some confusion about it, even when, to be fair, even to, to the Taoiseach, when he was being questioned about it by the Taoiseach two weeks ago, there, there was some grey areas. Now, in some cases, it might be brought forward. I know the Vintners, for example, are saying that, look, we can open pugs in June rather than the 12th of August. And there's, there's a lot of mixed messages and obviously lobby groups trying to push on at, at, a, at a faster level. But we're, we're still only coming out of this, as we know that. But, but we know that we have greatly co- contained the spread of this infection. And there may very well be a spike. But in overall terms, the level of infection is less than 0.03% in the population throughout the nation. Um, and, you know, we don't want the cure to be even more disproportionate than the actual disease itself. But, but now, you do you moment. do accept, though, that it was the lockdown that has brought it back to this level. I mean, I don't think anyone is arguing, for example, with Minister for Health Simon Harris when he said, I think, that there would have been over 12,000 deaths in the Republic of Ireland by yesterday if these steps had not been taken. That depends on the data that you're looking at because there's obviously different types of, of pathological or, or death rates from country to country and from region to region. Um, so, so we won't know that until things progress over the next six months. And there are indicative figures and obviously speculative figures as well. But there's no question that we need a lockdown. And, you know, if we're to say that the lockdown has been a, a, a primary success, then we also have to look at the, the effects of where the lockdown didn't work. And, and I keep going back to the point that you know, we, we basically just abandoned to a large degree our nursing homes, which which is unfortunate, and we could have suppressed the the, the, the infection rate even more. And, and now, where, where are you on the the herd immunity theory that uh, was um, you know exposed to some extent in the UK because that's where they started, and you know who knows where they'll finish. Um, but also, some people here were proponents of it, and as I yeah. said to um, a doctor who was on with us at one stage. I don't want to get this coronavirus. Yeah, I'm sure you don't. Well, I certainly, I certainly don't. But because of the amount of, of of information that we're now starting to learn about how this disease came into being, where it came into being, the inertia and the 
suppression of information by the Chinese Communist government in terms of how it spread, it is now, rather than starting in the early part of 2020 or December, it now seems that it could have started as early as October. And it's very possible that it could have been in Europe in November of last. And, and you heard all these kind of various anecdotal stories about people having violent flus in December and violent flus in November. And it's very possible that it could have been here at an earlier stage. We don't know that. And we won't know that obviously until there's a proper commission in it as times progress. But going back to your point about the herd immunity, again, I'm not a medical practitioner, I'm not an immunologist, I don't know. I don't think that is something you could risk the with, for the general population to just abandon them to the concept of herd immunity, which was a complete and utter failure by the, the, the Boris Johnson government in the United Kingdom. Um, but there's no question uh, about that. And, and to, to build a herd immunity, from what I'm hearing, you have to have up to about 60% of people exposed to the virus before they could build resistance to it in any event. Now, having said it, we could be at a point where a vaccination may not come for the COVID virus for the best part of 18 months. Now, there may be some types of vaccinations in the next eight months, but whether it, it be approved by the World Health Organization, whether it be approved by the FDA in the United States, or whether it be approved by the equivalent in, in the European Union, we don't know. So we're very much in an uncertain stage. But what we do know now is that we have it pretty well contained in Ireland, but it has to be measured against the significant fatigue that I'm experiencing on a daily basis with people about their desire, not just to get back to work, but to be able to intermingle with relations, be able to visit their grandkids, to be visiting their grandparents and nature like that. And, and listen, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. You have made your share of sacrifices. Everyone listening to this show has made their share of sacrifices and uh, deserve to be commended uh, for that. I suppose my concern is more, you know, we move too quickly and this erupts again. And a lot of the same people who are now saying, I'm fatigued by this and I can't take it any longer, may well be saying, why did the government open too quickly? That's true. Uh, that's true. But as I said, even since the time that this was announced in two weeks ago, which is two weeks from this day, uh, a lot of things have progressed in mainland Europe in terms of their opening up of restaurants and businesses of that nature. So we'd be able to look at them and how, how that affects their general populace as matters progress over the next number of weeks and be able, to, be able to judge then as, as we progress over the next number of weeks as to whether we have to slow it down or increase it. So what I'm really getting at here in plain simple English is that we have this plan can't be rigid and there has to be an element of give and take and movement uh, in it in terms of how we open up our economy. But as I said, it's not all about the economy. It's about the ability of a social aspect of people being able to re-engage re with people, to get back into the city, back out walking, back out visiting their... Uh, their relations, their grandkids and their, and their grandparents. Um, and also, you know, I read a report last week which was quite concerning that um, of the 1,400 people that have most sadly have passed away during this crisis, that there, there could be as much as up to 2,000 people who have passed away as a result of cancer or other undiagnosed illnesses during this period of time. So it's a very... The, the effect that this will have, the extra weight that it will have on the health service is, is something that we can't quite assess now, but it will be more progressed okay. in terms of mental health services, in terms of cancer diagnosis, in terms of dementia uh, diagnosis as well. So, you know, even speaking to Michael McNamara, the TD, who's the chair of the Rockets Committee on this, there's no doubt that this is going to cost a lot of money for the economy because we're going to obviously have to provide more funding to the health service 
as we go into the winter months. Right. Uh, uh, Councillor Emmett O'Brien, just one other thing before you go briefly. There's an investigation underway after the pontoon at the boat mm. club at the University of Limerick was seriously damaged in what's believed to be an act of vandalism. The pontoon, yeah. of course, a popular gathering place uh, for people. Uh, photographs have been updated uh, mm. and, and uploaded to social media in the last 24 hours showing a large section of the facility has been burnt out. Disappointing. Absolutely appalling. Well, first of all, just as a general term, anybody who has just absolute disregard for a public utility, um, I, I'd have no sympathy for them in terms of that regard. I mean, we're all part of the society. We all live together, work together, and try and have a better community. And, and to act in this shameless disregard for such a beautiful facility as the pontoon, which, may I add, I would give my right arm to have downriver here in Milan or, or in Newtown or in Skeeton, it's just absolutely shocking and complete, giving the two fingers to the general public who are trying to get out within their 2K or 5K zone, try and exercise, try and have a bit of fun and, and try and uh, enjoy the beautiful weather that we have. And then to see this shameless act of vandalism being done, perhaps by the usual suspects, is absolutely shocking. Um, it's just the two fingers to every single Limerick City and County person. All right. Listen, thank you very much for all of that. Good to chat to you. Uh, that is Independent uh, County and City Councillor uh, Emmett O'Brien. Call Limerick Today now on 461995.